the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Kind of a dreary day. Good day to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, whatever, and sit down and uh, listen to a little thing uh, called the Smart Investor Show. <laughs> anyway, you know, we always uh, send you to WHK's webpage because that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay. So if you go to WHK 1420 AM and go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show and Tim Hayes, bingo, you, you uh, find me. <laughs> All right, and you can just go straight to my webpage then. But let's start off. Uh, I, I just was listening to a gentleman uh, from another party. I, you know, as you know, I lean to the right. Uh, uh, if you don't know that, I do. Um, and uh, he was talking about this being desperate times, and so I thought I'd have some quotes for desperate times. William Shakespeare's most famous one: "Desperate times breed desperate measures." Uh, I always liked uh, Mark Twain. Under certain circumstances, profanity provides a relief denied even to prayer. <laughs> uh, and then uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. That's saying, at the same or a bit of advice or a catchphrase or a string of words used to confuse people less intelligent than you. In any case, it means life is tough, so you better fight hard or something like that. So <laughs> I, I can't remember uh, who that was. but. Uh, you know, uh, Dave Navarro, uh, who's kind of a funny guy, there have been times when I felt suicidal and I would stop my head from going in that direction of negativity because I thought there'd be something I'd miss that was funny in the future. If there's a chance I'm going to laugh tomorrow, then I want to experience that. There we go, folks. Anyway, uh, you know, as we always talk about uh, on this show, uh, one of the things we like to uh you know, bring up is our webpage. And on the webpage, like I said, if you go to WHK1420, a local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show, and it goes right to my webpage, there's a couple things you can look at. And uh, first of all, uh, on there's the bulletin board. It has Bob Dickey, who is our head uh, technician. Uh, and, he, you know, he does a great job of uh, showing you things that are Relevant, uh, important right now. Okay, and sometimes when you see things, it's better because the market's such a big, massive stuff, and it's hard to you know. It's visualization is good for you. Anyway, uh, we also have a weekly newsletter there, which you can ch check out, and then on the insight uh, page, which is which is up on the top, it's one of the it's right under the bulletin board. Um, you know, the Fed is shifting towards inflation. I'm going to talk about that today. Okay, uh, there's some five G. Stuff. And I'm going to talk about that today because I think we've forgotten a little bit. So, you know, just remember, uh, you know, they're all there. By the way, you know, we can talk about wealth plans. We can talk about the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. And I'll get all that from us, okay? Uh, wealth plans, our wealth plans are dynamic, meaning if you make want to make a change today, you can make a change today, all right? Uh, that's the good thing. We have the Family Inventory Workbook. We have a Business Owner's Guide to Transition. Believe me, I, I think... There's a lot of people out there who are not paying attention uh, because they're looking at private equity and thinking, oh, that's a, that's a good deal for me. Most of the time, you can get a better price, number one. Number two, how to transition that business to the new owner is very important, and how to make, take care of your family and, and maybe the other owners is important, too. So anyway, all right. So, you know, I was thinking, man. You know, 2020 has been a year where the uh, traits of being nimble, prepared, and adaptable have been very necessary. And, you know, uh, we have been experiencing a pandemic of proportions not seen over 100 years. It's tough, okay? Uh, you know, 
they just found the first nest of the out-there bees that they call murder hornets. And we're seeing signs and windows of restaurants and stores about coin shortages, you know. And, and on top of that, October. You know, it's the first time we've had two full moons in October in 35 years. We had one October 1st, and we're having one October 31st. And uh, that's the first time we've had one on Halloween Eve uh, in 19 years. So, look, I, I just wanted to point out some observations that I've made. And and uh, here's something, you know, I, I'm just talking out loud now, okay? Uh, first of all, for the first time in history, I actually agreed with the New York Times. <laughs> they called the New York, they called the Cleveland Orchestra America's finest. So th- there's a big thing. And then I had Saul call me up, and I haven't heard from Saul in a pretty long time. And uh, he asked me about Bitcoin. And look, you know, I-, I was pretty negative on Bitcoin back in 2018. I said it was parabolic, and I was right. Uh, and it it slammed, you know, it got creamed, and now it broke up well, over 13,000. And so, you know, so I don't know anything about Bitcoin. I don't know how to value it. I don't know anything about it. I just tell you the chart is fairly overbought right now. So if you're going to buy it, uh, you'd certainly, waiting would be a, probably a really good idea, in Tim's humble opinion. Uh, I noticed the EEM, EWN, and the e, EWD have all uh, been just about the breakout or breaking out. Uh, so that's that's kind of an interesting scenario too. All right. So um, another thing I've seen that I noticed, uh, I noticed that the VIX and the VXN, which is the VIX for the uh, NASDAQ composite, are not going down. That's the fear gauge. So the fear is out there. All right. Uh, I've also noticed that the American Association of Individual Investors, the, the bulls, are now above the bears. The bears were up to 50, almost 50%, 47%. Now they're at 30, and the bulls were at 32, and everybody else is neutral. I don't, I, you know, I've seen this happen a couple times, and usually the market's wishy-washy for a while after that. Uh, interest rates keep showing up on my charts, all right? Oil stocks keep having bad earnings, but they're not going down. Cruise lines keep having bad news, and they're not going down. Airlines aren't having such great news, and they're not going down. 5G stocks are starting to break out finally. That's interesting. All right, so those are some of the things that I've seen. (laughs) Those are Tim. Now, look, I I think the average performance in September since uh, 1928 has been a decline of about 1%. So we beat it pretty drastically this year. And I've also noticed that the leadership that we had all summer has kind of languished. Uh, and I'm, I'm starting to see money start to float to some foreign tech stocks and some value stocks, i.e., this is probably has something to do with the dollar. OK, so, you know, just some some thought process. Now, one of the things um, I thought was interesting is Tom Porcelli came out uh, with a piece this week and he talked about. Uh, the economics, you know, you know, where's the stimulus? We don't, we don't have that yet. I think Nancy Pelosi's holding that back for the, hoping that the Democrats win. Uh, but COVID continues to improve gradually. You know, the the news on it, uh, the deaths are going down uh, on a percentage basis. Uh, the number of cases are going up, uh, but we're, you know, we we finally have the FDA approving a drug for for the uh, product, uh, and. So we're, we're having some COVID success, but it's still the, the, the elephant in the room. And But the key is, are we going to have a V-shaped recovery or not? And that's the big question. Uh, I forgot to mention, this is a live show. If you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That gets you right to the studio. That's 216-901-0945. So, you know, the pandemic uh, is still flat out the problem. And remember, this thing picks up steam as it goes into a colder, colder uh, climate. And so uh, it's probably not going away anytime soon is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, now, Pfizer still is looking at November for coming out with their vaccine. You know, that's interesting. 
Johnson Johnson had a little bit of a delay and Lilly had a bit of, de- of a delay. Regeneron uh, looks like they never even had a product for it. They went straight up and came straight back down. Gilead, the same way. So that's interesting. But look, I- I've been talking about dividend-paying stocks for a long time on the show. And uh, dividend-paying stocks have outperformed over the past 30 years. And we have two lists, the prime income list. That's for you retirees who are looking for good, dependable uh, dividends that you know has a 4% yield. So it's better than the, the CD market by five or six times, by the way. And then we have the dividend growth portfolio, which is, you know, people, by the way, I, if, if I was older and I was worried of inflation, which the Fed has said they're, they're going to give to us, okay, uh, I would be looking at, at some things too, uh, that would, where my dividend would grow every year. Okay, that's what the, the purpose of the dividend growth portfolio is. But I, dividend stocks over the long period of time, dividends are 45% of the return of the S&P 500, 45% of the return. So the growth stocks look great for a period of time, then they get banged and uh, then the value stocks come back. And I think, you know, uh, uh, there's two areas which I think are really cheap right now, healthcare. Healthcare is that got the cheapest multiple, uh, and, and you know, by the way, biotechs now have dividends, okay? Uh, but they have the cheapest multiple they've had since Hillary Care was introduced. So people are not paying attention to healthcare stocks yet. I don't know about you, but most of the people I know are living longer, okay? Uh, so healthcare, uh, and one of the things you know we have found is that. You know, back in 2000, dividend-paying stocks outperformed for a long time, and now dividend stocks are underperforming. And maybe it's time you get a copy of these two lists. You know, go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, and start getting these lists, the prime income list and the dividend growth portfolio. You want to buy yield when it's up. So when the particular thing you're buying is down and their yields are up, that's when you want to buy. Dividend stocks have been underperforming for about three or four years now, okay? Now, maybe the time to get, get involved, or to say that uh, uh, outright. Now, uh, look, we get the presidential election coming up. And the polls are heating up. Some show holding Biden, uh, Biden holding a lead about 4.5% over President Trump. Some other ones say President Trump's going to win with a knockout. I don't know which one it's going to be. Uh, but the odds makers were, were you know, pretty infallible. Uh, up until four years ago, and you know Hillary was ten points ahead of Donald Trump at this time. So I don't know who's going to win. I, I don't have a clue. I'm just going to tell you this: some things are not going to change. Okay, they're going to still look for ways to solve the COVID crisis. Correct? Five G is not going away, no matter who's it. The digital revolution is not going away, no matter who gets in, all right? So I want you to think about that, okay? So COVID changed everything. It moves security faster into the future. So, I mean, the security software landscape. Uh, Rideshare, I think, is going to be the biggest winner if they do find a cure for, uh, uh, you know, COVID. Cloud security is important. 5G, I noticed the 5G stocks have started to pick up pretty drastically. Some of them had bad quarters last, last uh, second quarter was a bad quarter for them. No business. Some of them are starting to pick up. They're showing up on my charts again, okay? So that's interesting. 5G is coming back. We have the digital consumer now, okay? There are companies that sell dog products. There are companies that sell clothes over the internet. There are companies that are, were retailers that are now starting to change their business into the digital age. I don't, uh, you know, our retail analyst has three or four of them, and I think she's right. Okay, so the digital age is not going away. Cloud security is going to be very, very important. I know, you know, we have five or six names. Matt Hedberg, our analyst in that area, is phenomenal. I don't think, uh, I don't know if the big Bang stocks are going to outperform for a while. I think they're going to sit, all right? I don't think they're going anywhere. Uh, I think they're really good companies. Don't get me wrong. I'm not poo-pooing them or anything like that, but they made a big run, okay? Uh, you know, Tesla had a blowout quarter. It did not hit a new high. You know, Apple's high was 140. It's 
it's 115, 116 now. So look, I think what you have to look at is the small caps has been starting to lead the way. Uh, so if that continues, uh, we'll be in good shape. We've, we're also having some of the value stocks start to, to kick into gear. So that's another thing you have to be paying attention to. So look, I think if you look, the COVID crisis has created structural winners. All right. There's going to be people who make money. The first wave has been positive for category leaders, you know, the Amazons, the Apples, those type of names. The second will probably be in gaming. Uh, there'll be some, you know, a web digital presence that'll be big. Internet advertising names have been impacted somewhat negatively, but not equally. And now we're starting to see the social networks pop. So people are using the social networks more and more and more. So there's going to be, you're going to have the ability to make money no matter who becomes president, in Tim Hayes' opinion. All right. There are things that are not going away. 5G is not going away. It's just getting started. The cloud, although it's pretty, you know, diluted to a certain point, the new security firms are coming up with ways they have to. They're coming up with ways they've been home runs. I mean, Palo Alto Networks was a home run. CloudStrike was a home run. These names are huge. All right. So don't go hide in a closet because of the election. You, if the, there's a sell-off in the election, use it to buy high-quality stocks. Now, look, why would there be a sell-off in the election? I think it's uh, it, the Democrats' tax plan. People are going to want to take a lot of capital gains. Uh, and they're also trying to get something through where capital gains on things that you don't sell, that you pass on. You know, So there we go. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll be right back. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show, and I'm Tim Haynes. Um, you know, I, I, a couple things. Sales of electric cars topped 2.1 million globally in 2019. That surpassed two, 2018, already a record year, by the way, to boost the stock to 7.2 million electric cars. Electric cars, which accounted for 2.6% of the global uh, car sales, and about 1% of global stock, uh, car stock in 2019 uh, registered a 40% year-on-year increase. I am seeing a lot of the car manufacturers and car part manufacturers break out. Okay, China remains the world's largest automotive manufacturing country and automotive market since 2009. 2019 annual vehicle production in China accounted for nearly 30% of the worldwide vehicle production. Soon, I think there'll be overproduction. That's my, my humble opinion. You know, uh, uh, approximately two-thirds of the global population drive on the right side of the street. All in all, 163 countries and territories have right-hand drive traffic, while vehicles use the left side in 76 country, uh, countries. Uh, they're back, backlawed. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things uh, I, you know, I keep talking about is this digital transformation. And I've talked about 5G. I've talked about security software. Uh, and we've talked about, you know, fintech stocks, okay? We've talked about the, the, what we call the consumer software stocks. That's where the money's going, folks. And it's going to continue. It's going to uh, go crazy. And just so you know, digital payments have soared. The multi-trillion dollar payment market is changing rapidly. It's providing growth for companies, convenience for cons uh, consumers, and opportunities for investors, obviously. Digital payment is gaining penetration. I mean, do you have, you know, Apple, uh, Apple Pay on your uh, phone? Right, right. Okay. So PayPal, those names. Uh, and, you know, our analyst, Dan Perlin, has been hitting the cover off the ball to say that. And you should get his research. But the digital payments have been greater, uh, driven by greater e-commerce and mobile usage. 
should investors be positioned there? Uh, yes, I've got a new one. Uh, I'm just waiting to see. Watch it a little. You know, we have a new one on our top small cap list, which you can get by going to WHK 1420 AM. But digital payments compromise digital commerce and uh, buying goods or a service via the internet and mobile payments. So smartphones are used now. And and currently, China has the largest volume of digital payment and its lead is expected to widen, by the way. Uh, Nobody's been ripped off there yet. (laughs) You know, believe me, the, the hackers are starting to get in there too. Uh, we believe this trend is going to grow uh, beyond the next few years because of the ease and convenience. And so it's an area you want to place yourself as far as I'm, Tim Hayes is concerned anyway. So um, here's some things that I've been seeing. And I think the first thing I'm going to talk about, uh, I, I was, you know, I get a lot of newsletters and I, I do a lot of work myself. And so I've been watching commodities because the, Fed has basically said they're going to let inflation. They want 2% inflation. They said it. You know, they haven't had 2% inflation forever. And look, a year year and a half ago, I said, uh, and Bob Dickey said it too, by the way. So it's just not Tim Hayes. You should buy gold. Okay. Some, the people who bought gold then, I'm up 50, 60% on the gold stocks. I didn't buy actually gold. I bought the gold stocks because they were actually cheaper. And I said on this show probably 50 times, gold leads the way. Well, copper, I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, or actually a month ago, breaking over three bucks. Okay. Now, copper on a daily chart has broken out. All right. Three, three, I think 10 was the number you had to get by. So then I, I went a little bit further and I looked a little bit further and I looked on a monthly chart and copper has broken its downtrend line. That means it's a solid citizen again. When have we talked about commodities on this show? The last time was in 2005, okay? So it's been a long time, and I'm seeing things like the relative strength break out in copper. Uh, it's becoming a, a pretty chart, all right? So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if, by the way, if you look at some of the copper producers, Break out here, break out there, break out here, break out there. So uh, the the stocks can be bought or you know ETFs if you want to. Uh, so uh, you know copper miners. Uh, and I looked at a, I looked at some the bigger names. Okay, I I didn't I looked at some of the ETFs and then I looked at some of the bigger names. The ETFs are all these huge W bottoms. All right, and and some of the you know some of the copper guys are starting to look really, really good. So uh, commodities may be on a comeback. Now, the other thing is the CRB index, you know, which has been in, I told you, went down 80%. All right. So from the high in 2009 down to the bottom, just this this spring, it went down 80, better than 80%. Okay. It's right at the downtrend line. Now, just so you know, when we went down 80%, we were looking at commodities that went back all the way back to 1972. Okay, so that's that's a big move down, and it's something you got to think about. Now, there, there's a lot of people talking about this presidential cycle, and look, I just want you to, uh, to understand the presidential pattern. Normally, is the first year you know the election happens November 1st, the first year uh, to the November the second year is kind of up but flat, and then the second, the third, and the fourth year. <laughs> The market goes crazy. Now, look, when an incumbent party loses, the market has the worst pattern, seasonal pattern, uh, going back to 1949. Uh, When the incumbent party wins, uh, you know, you have a really good year. 2020 so far, it, it looks like to me, you know, based on the chart, that the incumbent party has a pretty good chance. Now, if you look at all the election years, you're still looking at pretty good returns over the course of the uh, the next year or so. So, uh, the, probably the only you know, look when when Bush beat Gore, uh, you know the incumbent party lost. We had a sell off, all right. But then thing and you know that was the beginning of a bear market too. So uh, that's an unusual situation. I don't think we're in a bear market yet. So, uh, you know, and I somebody asked me. Uh, you know what's the what's the rotation 
uh, going to be like if we go into, uh, you know, a, a new regime, shall we say? And I think, look, you got to think green, but look, I want you to concentrate on what I said in the last part. 5G ain't going away. The digitalization of the world is not going away. COVID stepped it up. It brought it up five, 10 years. Digital payments are not going away. Consumer software is not going away. They're going to, and what I mean by that is they're going to be ordering through the internet. Okay. Security software is not going away. Digital payments. And you know what? And healthcare, digital healthcare now. Okay. So, I mean, I had my first digital doctor's appointment the other day. It was kind of interesting. So it, none of this stuff's going away. It's not going away. Those are things you can invest with. If one party wins, they might go a little bit green. You want to, oil stocks are going to have a problem. All right. Just going to think ahead of time. Anyway, uh, the, the past week uh, was, 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 you know, a little bit of a sell-off. Uh, we had a down week, and, and people are asking, uh, "Is this going to be a po- protracted correction?" And I think it's unlikely. I think you know, September we got the overbought situation taken care of, and I'm seeing some uh, short-term indicators that are really were overbought and unwound. Okay, now I listened to uh, Bob uh, Schleimer this week, and uh, and he, he 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 said something I thought was interesting. He said the mega cap growth. Uh, continues to ev- evidence like that of uh, digesting their second quarter gains. Now, just so you know, Rob Schleimer is the head. He used to be the head technician for RBC, and now he's with Funstrat with Tom Lee, and th- that's some smart people, by the way. Uh, and you know the uh, the cyclicals. You know somebody's accumulated, and they're they're using every pullback to buy them. Uh, and it's and it's in auto parts. It's in autos even. Uh, it's in. Basic materials. It's in uh, industrials um, and oil stocks are not going down anymore. I mean, they, they bounce down and they come back up. So, you know, I think you got to pay attention. Pay attention to that. Now, look, I think what we're seeing is is we're a little bit overbought on the short term basis on the S and P five hundred, but growth first value has gone sideways. Growth is no longer leading. Uh, values coming around. The other thing I'm seeing is the 10-year notes, uh, the 30-year notes, and the five-year notes, the yields are headed north, okay? So those are the things I'd be concentrating on at this point. Uh, by the way, even if interest rates go up, I don't think it's going to blow the market up. I think it's just going to get back to normal. <laughs> and it's a good sign for the economy if interest rates go up. So just remember that. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back with a bullish percent. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember, if you have a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. Just tuned in. And, uh, you know, the one thing I mentioned, uh, you know, Saul, uh, he called this week and, and asked me about Bitcoin. Like I said, I know nothing about Bitcoin. Uh, you know, the the on the point and figure chart, it did break out in a column of X. It's a little bit short term overbought, so I might wait on it. But I, you know, I think the reason it's up is that PayPal, uh, which is one of you know uh, Dan Perlin's stocks uh, in the fintech area, uh, started accepting Bitcoin uh, this week. So that that's why it made the big run. So uh, Saul, you know that. But we do have Jason on the line. Uh, Jason, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I can't complain. So I, I wanted, I had a comment and a question for you. So I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying about um, some of the, these stocks. I think the bank stocks have run up uh, quite a bit. Um, I think nothing's going away in healthcare and, and cloud and security and that. I think those are growth areas you're going to see. I, I guess I'm a little bit um, apprehensive about your, your views on the value stocks being something sustainable that we're going to see like we have in, in previous history of uh, outperforming. I, I, I just don't see these value stocks being uh, at the prices where they make sense. I think that the P, the P ratios are too high on them. I think that's why Warren Buffett for years was sitting on cash because he, he didn't see the price 
that was that was what you need in order to get to have these value stocks. And and I don't I don't really see um, you know I think there should be some, but I, I don't think a broad value stock uh, mutual fund or ETF is really going to perform that great. And and I want to know what what uh, and uh, fundamentals or or evidence you see to the contrary that that it will and it'll be growth for the next five to ten years. Actually, I I uh, I wouldn't put all my money in value either. Okay. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I never said that. Uh, what I've said over the course of the last couple of months, Jason, is basically you need a barbell approach. So what you do is the bar, you know, if you're, if you're lifting weights, the bar is your consumer staples, your healthcare stocks, your, you know, your, your Abbott Labs, you know, those type of names, okay? And I'm not recommending Abbott. It's run up too much. And on each barbell, you know, the amount of weight you put is you, you, you start to accumulate some value stocks. And you start to accumulate a lot of high quality tech stocks. Okay. So you're equally weighted on both sides because no matter what you say, I'm looking at the charts and the charts are breaking out. And you know what? There's nothing more bullish, Jason, than the price of your stock going up. It's that simple. So they're going up. You know, Freeport MacMoran broke its downtrend line. All right. Uh, you know, uh, Illinois Toolworks has been a home run. Danaher has been a home run. So these are industrial stocks. These are value stocks to a certain degree. All right. So they're going up. Now, are they going up as fast as like, uh, you know, Cloudfare or Crowd, CrowdStrike or Datadog? No, they're not. Uh, but, the, you know, they have probably half the risk. The PE ratio is always highest at the, at the low. So when, when the market is wiped out, you know, the P.E. ratio for the market in 2009 was 25 times earnings because there was no earnings. <laughs> in March, yeah. the P.E. ratio for the market was 25 times earnings because there, people were looking forward and said there's going to be no earnings. So P.E. ratios are funny things. They change. All right. Okay. So, so you right. think, though, those stocks that you listed, though, that, 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 those sound good, you know, the, some of the industrials, but... Do you think that, that that's, a, that's going to be a long-term uh, trend, or do you think some of this demand has just been pulled forward because of the, because of the, the virus and that people are now trying to catch up with, with all the, the work and stuff they have mounting? Hey, you know what? You build a house, you still need copper. You still need wood. You still need, you know, uh, an incinerator. <laughs> you still need yeah. a, a new sink. Okay? I'm sorry. But, you know, they are, they're going to be there. They don't have the high profile. Uh, you know, they don't they don't announce them on CNBC, okay? But they're yeah. working. Okay? They're working. And so, what do you think about, you know, and what do you think, not individual ones, because I think that that sounds right. There's always going to be individual ones, I think, in whatever, whatever family of funds or, or sector or whatever that are going to really perform, I think, well. But in general, if you were to get a broad-based, um, you know, value fund, how, how much do you really think you would allocate in that compared to growth fund? Well, uh, I, I don't. I don't use funds. I use ETFs or stocks, or I use a money manager. And I have a certain money manager that uh, buys deep value stocks, who's phenomenal. So I, I give them as much money as the client wants to. <laughs> okay. Because okay. they're, they're they're really good. All right. Uh, I think they, they've had. One down year over two percent in twenty five years. I've been doing them, doing business with them, so they're phenomenal. Uh, so it depends on who, who who we're talking about and the clients. You know, I mean, you got to you got to ask a lot of questions, Jason. So we, we have to get into that another time. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, have a great day. You too. Anyway, we always talk talk about the uh, bullish percent on our show, and uh, the bullish percent is just a uh, was designed by a, a protege of Charles Dow to make sure you understand risk, okay? And what he wanted to be is bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. So he designed a point and figure charts, X's and O's, going from zero to 100. And when we got over 70, that was the red zone. That's when everybody was hot to trot. They loved the stock market. And usually when I was selling stocks. And when we get below 30, like in, in March, we got down to five. It was one of the lowest readings I've ever seen. That's when you want to get Greedy, very greedy. <laughs> All right, but below 30, you want to get greedy. Now, if we're in comma vectors, we put the offensive team on the field. 
with a column of O's, we put the defensive team on the field. And trust me, O's get put on the charts a lot faster than the X's. All right? Just the way it works. People get frightened. They sell. All right? Now, just because you're in a column of O's doesn't mean you have to sell your whole portfolio out. Okay? What it does mean is that you should be paying more attention to your portfolio. It's that simple. But this week, we were at 59. We were only up a half a point. We're in a column of X's. So we're, the, we're close, you know, to getting a little bit, you know, uh, up, up near that 70. We were just at 70. The over-the-counter index is only at 49.5. That's a pretty good place to buy things. So the small caps are in a column of X's. And the world index went into a column of X's last week and was down about 2%. Uh, it would not go into a column of lows till 42. So, you know, look, things are good. Okay. In dynamic asset level investing, the number one asset class is domestic equities. So for those people who like the markets, that's a good good thing. Uh, fixed income is number two. Cash is number three. So, um, you know, if you know if you review the dynamic asset level investing, all this is is using you know, relative strength to figure out what where the place to go. Large cap growth remains the highest ranked uh, style box. And after recent recovery, small value in recent months, going from a very low reading of 15 buy signals, went up to 48 in June. So we're starting to see, you know, some of the small cap stuff start to pay, pay a little bit closer attention, okay? Now, generally speaking, it was a kind of a negative week uh, for most of the, you know, major... ETFs that uh, we follow, and uh, I didn't see anything really do great. Um, you know, the QQQs, by the way, there's a new mini QQ coming out, QQQ coming out, which is interesting. Now, what I did see was, like I said, uh, the EEM uh, is right at, you know, if it breaks 46 and a half, it's, it'd be a, dub, a, you know, a spread double top, which would be very positive. Uh, that's the emerging markets. Um, you know, so I'm seeing some of that. Now, one of the other things I have seen is the number of of sectors that are favored has gone down drastically. We were 36 a month uh, in August. Now we're at, uh, I think we have 11. Uh, and I'm just going to talk about, I'm going to start with the most overbought favored sector. These are where, these are the sectors you want to concentrate your purchasing on, I think. Building and chemicals, by the way, they're value stocks, Jason, <laughs> uh, are at 74. They're fairly overbought, weight on them. Housing. Restaurants, machinery, and textiles are all value stocks. They're at 70. Wait on those. At the 60 level is retail, computers, autos, and steels. Now, I did see quite a few auto stocks break out this week. Right? I'd still wait on those. Gaming's at 50. Uh, gaming was where, way overbought. Now it's come back. And aerospace is at 40. That's it. <laughs> so, uh, we... We're not seeing as many positive groups as we did just a month ago, okay, when everything was fine. Now, the other thing I noticed, and, and this is, um, you know, retail, auto, and chemicals went to most favored status. Gaming, which was in most favored status, stepped down a notch. And machinery, which was uh, unfavored, has gone up two notches. Electric utilities went to average. Remember, we talked about that. Utilities were improving a couple weeks ago, and we said buy yield when it's up, right? That's how it works. Banks uh, and precious metals both are unfavored this week and stay that way. So, um, uh, you know, I, I was looking at the top foreign uh, groups and I noticed that Russia, Russian small caps broke out this week. But we're seeing the EWN, you know, which is Netherlands, uh, you know, broke out, pulled back a little bit. You know, that's kind of interesting. Uh, the, and then the, the Swedish one, uh, EWD broke a double top this week. So some of the bigger names are starting to participate. Finland broke a triple top this week. So in two or three ETFs, by the way. So it's kind of interesting. The other thing is, is I'm looking at the yields. The TNX, which is the 10-year treasury yield, the TYX also gave a fresh buy signal at 1.625%. Oh, so we're starting to see some of these you know, yield indexes start to break out, which means the bonds could get beat up a little bit. So you might want to wait if you're rolling CDs, okay? You might want to wait on them, just see if we get a, a, a you know, pickup. Now, I, I think uh, with a certain candidate's tax plan, those yields could rally uh, if he gets elected. So we got to be careful with that. But, um, you know, 
crude oil has been positive for two weeks. Even you know all the talk you hear on CNBC, it's it's holding in there at the 38 level. That uh, it, and I think the price was 40 41 came down to the 200 day moving average, popped right back up. Uh, copper and gold have been negative, although copper keeps creeping up. It broke the 310 level, which it hasn't been above in a long, long time. And natural gas uh, futures have almost doubled since the posting of low in June, you know, around 145. So uh, commodities, you know, uh, I mean, natural gas at 295, it hits three. I think it's a double top break. So we're starting to see commodities come out. That's value. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll see. Now, Relative strength uh, buy signals, um, I think, you know, is something you ought to pay attention to. And, uh, you know, these are important, sometimes can be long-term winners, okay? First of all, BlackRock, Tapestry, which is a name we haven't heard of in a long, long time. Uh, Computer Task Group, another name we haven't uh, heard of in a long time. Endo International, uh, in this pharmaceuticals area, they, they bought a company almost the size of them, Flex. Flex Limited has not even talked about them. Cowan Financial Services, uh, they do a lot of the technology stocks, that type of thing. Postmare, uh, Ryder, Sterling Construction, Iova Biotherapeutics, Glaucus, which is another medical products company, Aqua, which is Wukova Water Technologies. Uh, there's a couple cells, Topigen, uh, City Holdings, which is Financial Services, Consolidated Communications, Genmark, and Miller Industries. And Puma Biotech, Vertex Biotech, Wi-Fi, which is Biongo Wireless, and Outfront Media. Uh, hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with uh, the insiders. This is Smart Investor Show. Anyway, uh, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, once again, if you have a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And, and, you know, I, I have talked about the overall economy. Uh, we talked about the V-shaped recovery that Tom Parcelli was talking about earlier today. Then we talked about what sectors we still think are good, no matter who wins the election. OK, and we talked a little bit about the election and, and some of the returns after the election. OK. So we've guided you from big stuff to little stuff. We just gave you a bunch of names where they're relative strength buy signals. Those are important. That means your stock is doing better than the the rest of the market. Okay? That's important. Those buy signals can last a long, long time. Now we're going to talk about insiders. Insiders buy, they're usually early, and they buy a ton of stock. Okay? So uh, we'll leave it, we'll leave it at that. Uh I'm not looking for the guy buying, you know, 1,500 shares or 100 shares or anything like that. I'm looking for big buys. I'm also looking for smart people who are buying, okay, because that's important too. So remember, they're early. We're looking for the big buys uh, because the big buys are really paying attention to what's going on. Now, last week I talked about Citigroup, and, uh, and Citigroup, uh, same gentleman, uh, bought another 50,000 shares. So uh, he had bought $250,000 last week. You know, Citigroup's been getting killed, so that's kind of interesting. Also, uh, Starboard Value, which is smart money, smart, smart money. They bought Cativa, which is in agricultural chemicals. They're a spinoff of Dow and DuPont. And by the way, that's a value stock, okay? And on Semiconductor, which just finished acquiring somebody and they had some digestive pains for a while and now they obviously think they're they're on board so starboard value bought a ton of uh on semiconductor and contiva about five percent of both what's interesting is it, it, it on semiconductor the vp and a, and a senior guy they all bought you know six thousand twelve thousand you know five thousand shares each so uh you know we had not only Starboard buy it, but the insiders buy it too. I did not see anything on Cativa. And Pura Vida Investments, which is pretty smart money. Uh, they're, they're a hedge fund, but they, they concentrate on healthcare a lot. Uh, but just announced that they own 5.12% of establishment labs. All right. So um, 
there's a couple big names, big buys there that you have to be thinking about. All right. Um, by the way, I, I had uh, a question uh, from someone who uh, I did not, I was not able to get back to, uh, but it was about Cambium Networks. And he asked me uh, if I would repeat from last week uh, who bought the stock. Uh, and, you know, there was a, a very large uh, buy by uh, it's, uh, oh gosh, I just got the name. <laughs> Hold on. I'll look it up here. Uh, it, but it was, uh, it was filed about two weeks ago. Um, and I believe it was, oh, uh, was a guy named Imhoff that bought quite a bit. There was five or six insiders. The CEO bought uh, uh, 14,000 shares. And um, uh, I can't remember. So I, I'm sorry. I got the note and I forgot to look it up. But uh, here. No. Uh, oh, well. I'll, I'll think of it by the end of the day. <laughs> Live, live TV here, folks, or live radio. And also, uh, you know, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Tim Springer, who's pretty smart money, and uh, Selecta Biosciences, you know, he bought quite a bit uh, uh, several weeks ago, and he, he bought a lot more this week. He bought uh, $4.6 million on the 22nd, and he bought $2.7 million on the 23rd. On the 21st, he bought $2.2 million. Then on uh October 20th, he bought another $2 million. And October 19th, he bought another $1.7 million. And then he bought $500,000 worth. And he bought several million dollars worth the week before. So pay attention there. Um, and Ari Levy uh, bought some um, Del Taco restaurants, which just got absolutely pummeled from like 10 down to 7. Uh, and he stepped up to the plate. So you really like to see that. I think that there, there was... Uh, Two buys. He bought two hundred seventy thousand. Then he bought another one hundred sixty, and he bought some last week, which I don't have uh, uh, on my list here. Um, so we saw a couple of names that uh, were fairly big uh, in that area. Um, so the one thing I am going to warn you about, uh, and this is something you know you you got to tell people about everything, right? So I am seeing the number of insiders buy dwindle. So. I think the election is even affecting the insiders. Okay. Um, so we're at a low on insider buying, you know, to insider selling. The ratio uh, is the insiders are selling big. Uh, so that might be a cautionary, uh, you know, note on the market. Or maybe the insiders are just like we are, wondering who's going to win. Okay. Because, you know, look, uh, I, I think if they, the Democrats, you know, win across the board, which the press is talking about, although I don't think that's going to happen personally. Uh, you know, they could get this, you know, your tax bracket for capital gains will be your tax bracket. Okay. So I'll be in the 38% tax bracket, you know, for if I take a capital gain, there's going to be a lot of people selling between November 4th and the end of the year, if that's the case. They're also trying to, trying to get a tax plan where they can actually, uh, charge you capital gains for stocks you don't sell, which ought to be interesting. So look, uh, the next several weeks, we'll see the majority of the S&P 500 third quarter earnings reports being delivered, which uh, combined with heavy amount of other, you know, currently concerning news like the COVID and the election, will probably keep stock market volatile. And it'll probably be a daily pattern over the near term. I think it'll be bouncing up and down and the election may be garnering some of the attention of, of investors in the media today, but we think it is the earnings trend that is the most important factor determining stock prices going forward. Look, when it all comes down to it, there's all sorts of things that happen. And sometimes they affect the market in the short run. But what affects the market in the long run is earnings, earnings, earnings. Simple as that. Uh, you know, COVID may affect earnings. In the beginning, but when things turn around and people realize who can make money during the COVID crisis, earnings jump back. But it's the focus is on earnings, as simple as that. So the results have been exceeding expectations, okay, which we believe is one of the main reasons the market's trading at you know near new highs. 
So it's earnings, earnings, earnings. And, uh, you know, you got to remember that. It, it has nothing to do with anything else but earnings, earnings, earnings. The Federal Reserve can make make all the hoopla they want. but And, and, and by the way, what they do can affect the market short term. But what affects the market long term is earnings. As simple as that. So we we do have this, you know, if you look at the S&P 500, we made a high back at uh, just below 3,600, maybe 3,600 back in August. And then uh, we're making a little bit of a lower high. So it might be we go back uh, on the S&P 500 to support it around 3,200. And I bet you this happens because of the large technology stocks that ran up so much. They got to digest for a while. You know, nothing goes straight to the moon. Trust me on that. Uh, So, uh, you know, I mean, if we we look, uh, you know, Monday's close was about 7% lower than it was at the high back in August. you know, so we're we're seeing a little bit of a dip. Uh, if the support levels at 3,200 were to be broken, uh, you, you could have a drop of eight to 10 percent from there. So, you know, I think you know that'd be the test. I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I think it's going to be something that uh, you know might be uh, you know closer to a four or five percent correction. But um, you know, I, I just think there's going to be more volatility going into the election. It's that simple because that's what <laughs> markets do when, uh, you know, if, if the thing is unknown. Right. All right. So, uh, you know, that's something that you have to be. Look, the market does not like indecision. OK, it does not like the unknown. It likes to know. And when it doesn't, uh, you know, you got to be uh, paying closer attention, in my humble opinion. You want to be, you know, you don't have to worry about the volatility. It's just it's just going to drive you crazy, I think, is what it comes down to. So, uh, you know, simple as that. So what would I do right now? Well, like I said, I think the dividend stocks have underperformed for a long time. And, you know, you've just got to be thinking uh, ahead and saying, what what am I going to do? Okay. Well, their yields are up. I mean, there's some real high quality dividend stocks where the yields are up. You buy yield when it's up. Okay. It's that simple. Uh, you don't have, to, you know, doesn't have to be fancy. Uh, so now would be a really good time to be looking at um, the dividend portfolios. Okay. Now I look at the, you know, the 10 year yield, like I said, it's kind of a bottom, kind of a bottoming pattern. So there we go. So, Let's go to WHK 1420. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes Smart Investor Show. Uh, remember, Insight is on the, the top banner. Go there. There's a lot of good information there. Bob Dickey's a bulletin board, but you know the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, the small cap portfolio, our multi-cap portfolio, all available to you. Uh, also, a business owner's guide to transition planning. Very important, you know, if you own a business and you're getting out. And then the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. And we can also do a wealth plan for you. All that in, uh, you know, to, just by signing up with RBC. So have a great weekend. Uh, it's it's supposed to be a little bit rainy, I guess. And uh, welcome to <laughs> Ohio in October. In the meantime, uh, have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high. This is Tim Hayes. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.